Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the Are we all present? Are we present? I'm, yeah, I'm present. Uh, we we going to start with the shot? You, yeah, what, well, were you saying? what were you saying? I was man? sipping it. I was going to oh, say. I, was, so we got, I, I sipped I it and then I was like, She said she wanted a shot. You said you wanted a shot, so. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Is this what we're doing? Yeah. Cheers. 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 What are we cheers into? Cheers we, y'all to, got to speak. Look, y'all got the voice. Cheers to success. Mm. Cheers to working hard. Working hard. And cheers to To be able to play harder. <laughs> All right. Cheers, y'all. Mm. All right. We did that. Now we're about to get back to the Queens. So a lot of y'all may not know Sharon and Sheila, but if you're here in D.C., matter of fact, anywhere in the world, y'all about to start learning about these two women right here. Mutima. Do y'all see the bag in the front? Do y'all see that bag? Yeah. All right. Let's get into it, y'all. Tell us a little bit about y'all, because everybody don't know. They, don't, uh, you know. Yeah, let's they, hear they, about they, the journey. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's hear, hear about, about the journey. It. So, how did y'all even come up with the concept that y'all wanted to start your own coffee? Because that's not that's not something that's typical, really. It's not. We're not talking like a liquor brand or soft drink or anything like that. So, yeah, what? How did it start? Did, it did y'all start? wake up one day and yeah. was like, you know what? This coffee sucks. Right. <laughs> Like, what did y'all, I mean, how did that start? Yeah, I mean, it, it's two parts, right? Um, Sharon started drinking coffee before I started drinking. When did you start drinking coffee? I started drinking coffee in high school, actually. Mm. I started drinking coffee. Um, it was a thing my dad and I did every single day before school, starting, I believe it was sophomore or junior year. So maybe a little too young to start drinking yeah, coffee, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? But, like, you know, yeah, it was school was still hard you know at that age and it was just this this little ritual that him and I had in the morning and it was just like this moment where we shared we drank our coffee we sat down in a coffee shop but at that point I was drinking coffee almost for like all of the additives right mm. like so I was getting like the venti white mocha <laughs> with like the five pumps like yeah I was lactose intolerant so I did get the, you know the lactate or like whatever the la- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like the only you know like special edition everything else was all the sugars and all the syrups and stuff so it took me a, a couple years of drinking that type of drink before I actually got into drinking black coffee in college and then at that point it was like it's about the caffeine and right, it's about right, right. the efficacy and yeah. it's about being able to stay up late at night and get yeah. that work done. Yeah. So that, you know, those four years were also, you know, just me, me coffee was just a means to an end. Mm. It started as a ritual. It, it evolved into a means to an end. And then a, about a year after I graduated college, a friend of mine uh, made a French press co- mm, cup mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. And it was like, the most magnificent experience of my life. Like he had a grinder, he got like fresh coffee from I don't know what coffee shop Uh and ground it up right there in his kitchen and made this fresh cup and he's explaining the process to me and I'm just like, okay, where's my cup of coffee? Like, yeah, like, yeah, like I've already heard, yeah, like there's nothing (laughs) that you can, I've been drinking coffee for years. Like what is, you could probably, you know, possibly tell me. Right. So uh, when I drank that cup, you guys, though, it was when, it was it, it was, was everything. everything. Like really? it was like I realized coffee didn't have to be bitter. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, 
what are these tastes in my mouth? Like I couldn't even describe them. Like, and ever since then, I never turned back. Like I bought mm. myself a French press and like wow. started like, yeah, I was like, I need to find coffee shops that sell whatever coffee I just drank because it was just, it was almost like your eyes have been open to a new world. And ever since then, I was like addicted to coffee in and a coffee new way. Book, yeah. yeah. As like a ritual again, but also a ritual I truly enjoyed. Mm. So, you know? so did you call Sheila? Are you the one that made the call and was like, Sis, so this crazy. is what we're yeah, about to do right here. Yeah, the story gets crazy because we um, we came into it different on yeah, our own separate pages. Yeah. Really? So it's, Sheila can explain her experience. Because this yeah. is a hustler right here, y'all may not understand. We gonna get into what each of them do individually, but yeah. uh, don't think it's all about coffee. Listen, listen, the story is crazier. I love to tell people that we're third generation women entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, our grandmother started entrepreneurship. Um, actually she dropped out of school in about equivalent to the second grade. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. And her, the only reason she even got into school is because she lied to her um, father and she was like, yeah, 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 I'm going to the well. Um, yeah, I'm going to do wife things, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the idea was you have to prepare to be a wife. Mm-hmm. So she made a deal with her mother and she was just like, listen, I'm about to go to this thing called school. Mm. And um, but I'll do all my chores. Just please, you know, hold it down when Dad asks where I am. Just hold me down. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So her mom was sneaking her to school every day, and when she was about in the second grade, that's when her dad found out. He was just like, "You're a pretty girl. You need to focus on getting married." Wait. So she had the presence of mind to want to do that, like second grade. How old are you in second so, grade? That's yeah. young. Yeah, so that's, gets, that's gets, really young. Yeah, yeah, it gets crazier. Yeah. So she wanted to go to school so that she can think of different ways to innovate. And we were just joking about earlier about how when you have absolutely nothing, that's usually the best time you can innovate, right? Mm-hmm. So around second grade, her um, father finds out and he was just like, oh yeah, no, you, you can't go. So over the years, you're going to go through multiple wars. And at some point, my grandmother was like literally running through the jungle with she had 10 plus kids. Mm. And um, we had who? Idi Amin. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we had. It, a yeah, few it was of them rough. Yeah, it was yeah. rough in Uganda for. Yeah. Yeah. So then after that, she was just like, you know what? This isn't working. I have 10, 10 plus kids. I need to figure something out. And so she was just like, wait a minute. Uganda just went through war you got mm. to rebuild she was yeah. just like let me start a block factory because mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. makes sense people need to buy bricks well it was wow. a restaurant yeah, first. It was a restaurant, restaurant first, first wow. because um Idi Amin kicked out a lot of um got all the Indians, Indians. Oh, kicked out all the exactly Indians. Yeah. exactly so a lot of them were also business owners and, right, right, right. and things like that so a lot of you know businesses were just um, available yeah. and like wiped off the face of the earth but mm-hmm. the you know the establishments were, we're still, still there, there. Mm-hmm. so a lot of Ugandans who saw, saw that as an opportunity for them to also Build get into yeah mm-hmm. entrepreneurship because a lot of those um a lot of those um types of skills and companies were only available to a certain population mm-hmm. and a lot of ugandans lived in poverty like Sheila just explained mm-hmm. so it's like we couldn't even get access to our own land mm-hmm. and right, our right, own right. you know mm-hmm. like establishments yeah. and and yeah. so my grandma was like you know what absolutely not so she her first business oh, yeah. was actually a restaurant, restaurant yeah. yeah wow and she had a lot of kids so it was perfect She's, so, so she's very rational in that sense. Wow. So so would y'all say the Ugandan like 
entrepreneurial spirit just came from poverty. That's like it was birth from poverty. It was like we didn't have anything. Is yeah, necessity. It's like necessity, we yeah. had no other choice, right? Like, yeah, is that I, what it's about? Because mm. you say this, there's, there's such a culture of like mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Like, what yeah. kind of started that? Like, what do y'all think? Yeah, I, I think it is out of necessity. Um, people love to joke. Like when I meet Ugandans, they're always like, "Oh yeah, no, no worries, no worries. It's okay." Sit down. It's a, like our, our concept, we've been through so much trauma and our day-to-day concept or our language is displaying like, no worry, don't, no worries, don't stress, don't stress. That's just how Ugandans are. If you have nothing, that's okay. It's just like, let's figure this thing out. It's just, it's part of the culture um, of just who we are as a people. I think Uganda is still figuring out what I mean, we can't compare Uganda to Nigeria, mm-hmm. but a study showed that Uganda has the highest number per capita of entrepreneurs. That says something. Mm. People don't have access to jobs, and their thought process is like, "Well, let me figure something you out. Create a yeah. job. Let me create, create a, job. a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's like, um, so then from my grandmother starting the restaurant to then the block factory, um, and then she real estate to just other ventures. My my mother was seeing that firsthand, and she my mother started everything from a boutique that didn't um, turn out the way she wanted it. Mm-hmm. So then she started a, a, I think a storefront. Store, they had a yeah. storefront. She had mm. quite this a few is all in Uganda. In Uganda, because yeah. wow. you guys were born in Uganda. We were right? born in Uganda. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. then when our mother and father moved us here, um, at the time my mom was a school teacher mm-hmm. as well. And what age was that? Um, we came here in so it was 98 the only reason I remember the date is because it was the day before my birthday oh and wow yeah, so I'm a December baby so we moved here December 22nd <laughs> 1998 and like wow. yeah so the next day was my birthday and it was a snowstorm and it, it was, was like the huge. first time we saw snow wow. so it was just like this full magical yeah so, like, so you experience. all weren't like upset about leaving you were actually like uh, let's go I, I like how did y'all feel about it like yeah, yeah. I'm a perfect introvert. She's an extrovert to the T. I feel like, okay, so I feel like when I was, I'm an, I'm an extroverted introvert. Mm. And I think I've, I've come into myself a little bit more as I've gotten older. But mm-hmm. when I was younger, um, I just really didn't take well to like, the words no, I just don't really understand. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so I went to school early because right, my sister right. was in school. Oh, God. So then can I, I like, story? I it's, had to. Oh, can I say the story? Because please it's do. Traumatizing. <laughs> it's traumatizing. I'm still not well. So I popped up, perfect introvert, um, and I was born into you know life. I existed. And all of a sudden, just minding my own, I was one of those babies that didn't cry. I didn't. Do, if you were like, "Hey, Sheila," oh my goodness, I was like, take "This me, is what take your parents me. told you." Yeah, this is what my parents told me. Okay. <laughs> right. like, I remember. Right. Like, I have proof. I have proof. I, a lot of people told me this, and I just like to eat. I was, just, yeah. I was an eater. If you bribe me with food, pick me. You know. Um, and so I'm thinking, okay, I'm in the, this world. I'm just gonna enjoy this world by myself. This is great. They're like, oh my god, I'm pregnant, and mind you, I'm, I'm not even. She's an infant. Like, yeah, infant. you weren't even born. Wow. Yeah, I still feel the trauma. So yeah. like, <laughs> stay with me here. So then she was born uh, eleven months later. So we were born in the same year. So we're wow. Irish twins. Yeah, January and December. She came out feisty. 
I remember this. She was a feisty. You remember this? I remember vividly. 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 (laughs) (laughs) When I was in the crib. I remember this vividly. (laughs) So I I was learning how to walk at some point. And then Sharon, a baby, was, she decided she wanted to learn how to walk too because she saw me walking. And I was like, you know, walking around. It was like a circular table, walking around a circular Mm -hmm. table. Next thing I knew, this girl is chasing me around the table. I was just Yo. like, out of breath. I'm determination. Like, oh, determination. <laughs> I was so, like, she's walking. What why is can't I? This why situation. Can't I? So then I learned she how to run. Right. Wow. She learned how to run before she learned how to walk. Wow. So then they're just like, okay, well, she was old enough to start school. So I was like, oh, yes, let's do this. Went to school again, introvert. I'm quiet. I'm in the corner. I'm playing with my toys. And I guess Sharon had a a fit a fit that I went to school with my first day of school. Girl, it's like I say girl, but next thing <laughs> I know they're girl. bringing Sharon to school. I'm just there like, <laughs> and like I, you know, again there are all these kids yeah. playing, and you know, in the middle, I like to sit in the corner. I play, do my own thing. Next thing I know, Sharon's coming in. Making friends, figuring it out, and I had a few bullies. I think. Yeah, you few- did, but it was it was funny because the the school structure in mm. Uganda is very strict, okay. right? Like you, when you're sitting in your chair, you're sitting, you're sitting in wow. your chair, you right? You like, I've heard that. Like, yeah, like <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah, I've heard that. So they they were plucking knuckles when I was. No, they're doing more than plucking knuckles. No, they're they're doing doing more than that. Like I think, like the most vivid memory. This is when I decided I was never gonna get in trouble. Um, (laughs) Like one of my cousins, um, I think he got caught cheating. Like something silly. Like. It wasn't even like an exam per se. It was a quiz. Like, right. not that I condone <laughs> cheating, but he was a child. Like, he was like mm, twelve. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, okay. like still young, still yeah, young. This wasn't still like young. an adult. Yeah, okay, still okay. young, like over ten, but like mm, your cognitive abilities, right, right, like you know, haven't really like haven't really come and through. And how old are you guys when all this is happening? So this is like worst. We're very very young. Like we're mm. in primary school, right? The memory is crazy. The memory. Yeah. Yo, the when I was the, two. Yeah. <laughs> So I will never forget. Um, he got caught cheating. So we had uh, all school assemblies. Um, this is Kenny. Yeah. Oh, so we had all school assemblies, um, just like we have here, right? Mm-hmm, Where mm-hmm. like you get every. So we had like primary. So it started at I think uh, what would be the equivalent of kindergarten here, all the way to like high school, right? Mm-hmm. All in the same school. Uh, yes, yeah, so boarding schools. Mm. Boarding oh, schools were huge. Oh, you were in boarding school. So it wasn't, it could be a boarding school, but you had the option. You had the option. Some, up every day. Yeah. So s- private or public schools? There's private schools, right? Mm. So most of them are private okay. just because, like, I mean, public funding in Africa right, right. really isn't. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, right, it's right, a new concept. Right. Yeah. So these were private, uh, private uh, schools, but... Uh, so my cousin, so we had this all school assembly and we had no idea what was going to happen during this mm-hmm. assembly. Mm-hmm. They were just like, okay, like get together. We're like, oh, this happens all the time. We sang, <laughs> we had the, you know, national anthem, everything, <laughs> right? And so then there was this period of um, discipline, discipline and it was yeah. built into the like assembly, really? yeah. right? So my cousin who had cheated 
was literally spanked in front really? on the, the entire, entire like are we film. talking hand or belt or so like, so um it was a ruler it was um, a, it was like a like a yardstick yeah, like yeah. yard yeah. yard yeah. yard so they yeah. put you up on stage you in front of the whole school Yo, that's a, I, I get it. That's a deterrent. Public service. I it's a deterrent. I mean, no, I, I, I did say that that's when I decided yeah, that, yeah. you know, whatever it is, I yeah. got him in that situation. I'm, I'm not no doing it. it. Nobody's yeah. cheating. Yeah. If you yeah. see it, yeah, yeah. Nah, that that's like sense. That's like from pain to like embarrassment. Yeah. yeah. It covers all like, that's and usually I what people are I think it's to teach everybody of. else there is no cheating. There's no cheating. There's no cheating. Exactly. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. <laughs> let me study or i would rather fail than be, be humiliated yeah. Yeah. so it was just like this really so it was really intense and it was really strict and it was really tough like i mean you got beat for you know having bad handwriting like wow it was crazy i had a i had a uh one of my classmates after i actually properly enrolled into the school um, after I stopped shadowing Sheila's class. Shadowing. You didn't even talk about how you came in and you beat one of the little kids. So I didn't really beat her. I did this did this thing when I was younger <laughs> where Where they end up on the ground <laughs> crying. Right. Yeah, so I'm naturally smaller and I've always been tiny, so I feel like when I walk into a room, it's just like my presence really isn't like respected. It's uh-huh. almost like the Napoleon complex. Yeah, let them know. She's Even like, I had to mom. set an example. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, my presence is not respected. My presence is not respected. You see my trauma? So I felt like, you know, I would sit in the background because I wasn't technically enrolled in the yeah, class. So yeah. Sheila had to be, you know, mm-hmm. sitting in the seat. So I would play, you know, in the playroom and they would all watch me because I'd be sitting there answering the questions from the class, but like in my mm. playroom, like in the corner. So I would like recognize when people were bullying Sheila. And it's just one of those things where someone's just naturally nice yeah. and I just didn't appreciate bullies and I've never appreciated bullies even at a young age. And so I became a fighter and I would fight back. And so (laughs) (laughs) So I, you know, I had to learn early to stick up for myself. And Mm. it was just like one of those things that has always been ingrained in the back of my mind. And like, even when I moved to this country, they were like, held me back a year because they were like she's too small you know so it's always like this concept of like oh she can't handle it or Mm -hmm. she's like she's too delicate or she's too little or don't you know and i'm just like whoa that's weird to look at the size so it was literally like physical feature type it wasn't intellect or like you know cognitive ability because i blew those tests out the water that's crazy so so when you did when you did say like you know you're picking on sheila let yeah. me show you something. You know, would Sheila be like looking at you like, get her, sis? <laughs> or would she like sneak in a little punch yeah. in there? She wouldn't respond. Uh, uh. She would, I feel like she would appreciate it, but. She would just turn her back like, I didn't really she's see like, that. I'm happen. not in this. <laughs> I'm not in this. It wasn't her fight. I did not it like wasn't her fight. Yeah, I did not like anything. If people are even like arguing, yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> the tea sipper. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and then I'm listening out for the underdog because I automatically am like, who's getting bullied? Yeah. All right, like I got to stick up for them. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah, like it's not like I I enjoy fighting. It's that I think you just you 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 enjoy silence and bullies. I just yes, just like, yeah. It, it was um proving that she's yeah. the one, proving exactly. that she's not to be messed with, or they're not I think the one. It was also, like just sticking up for other people. Yeah. I think you just Didn't. naturally were just like, mm, 
that's not right. And you're not yeah. just other people, though. You're a sister. Yeah. So yeah. it's a little, yeah. Well, family. I mean, it translates to yeah. the rest of her life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Strangers. Under, yeah. If something is going on, she feels like she'll, yeah. she can step in, you know, and, and help. Whereas then I, yeah, I'm kind of like, ooh. But I think that's part of the balance, right? Like anytime that you look at a partnership, you're kind of looking for not overlap, but you want people Mm -hmm. to kind of pick up on things that you may not be as like, you know, strong in, right? So if if you aren't like as confrontational, and I'm not saying it's confrontational, but that as an example, like sometimes you need a person that will stand up and say like, no, this isn't right. right. And not just say like, I don't feel like having this discussion. So Mm -hmm. I'd rather just move on. You need the balanced person to be like, Hey, maybe not this time. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's dope. So that's the dynamic in the crew, right? That's the dynamic. I feel like we still didn't answer your question. (laughs) But, um, that, that is a dynamic. Um, the coffee actually came about, uh, we again we jo- joked about being third generation women mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, right, right. and it, it, imagine growing up in a household where your mom and dad were constantly ideating. Mm. It's we were just comfortable with ideation. Mm. Have an idea, test it, try it. That's always how my parents were. Just like, mm. Mm, what do you want to do? Oh, you want to test this? Okay, try it. Let me know mm. how it goes. Let me know when I can pitch in or mm. how I can pitch in. Builds confidence and, so, yeah, and everything. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, it wasn't the family. I, I mean, I talk about this all the time. It's like, when we first came to the U.S., we started selling cookies to make, because we wanted to buy Barbies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. everyone had Barbies, and we weren't well off. We, I mean, we grew up wearing Salvation Army um, clothes and stuff when mm-hmm. we first moved here. And... We were just like, okay, well, our parents used to get us the, the fake Barbies, the yeah. Dollar Tree Barbies. And I was just like, I can't bring these to these little sleepers. <laughs> <laughs> this baby got six toes. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't fool around. That is not Annie. Um, so we were just like, you know what? Let's sell cookies. So yeah. we got a little oatmeal cookie, uh, the little oatmeal box, and we mm-hmm. found a recipe on the back, you know, the, the Quaker's oatmeal. Mm-hmm. And we made oatmeal cookies, that's dope. knocked on every door in our apartment, sold those. So that's how we essentially grew up. Like, you were bred into this. We, yeah. were, we were born into this. It was yeah. part of our DNA. So even Matima came about, Sharon was obsessed with coffee. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't even have coffee until I was 24. Mm. Wow. I, yeah, I, didn't, I had coffee later on in life. And so Matima Coffee came about I was um, in Uganda at the time uh, chatting about expansion of my current company. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, Sharon was also in transition and she was also a full-time entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And um, we just, I, I was walking around Uganda and I'm just like, well, wait a minute. So I hit up Sharon. I was just like, there are a few opportunities here. And she was just like, what's up? Let's talk. What, what's up? You know, tell me. And um, we started looking into, like, what's next? Like, mm-hmm. what can we do to merge our two worlds, Uganda, the mm-hmm. U.S.? Mm-hmm. And we were just like, wait a minute. Coffee kind of makes sense, yeah. right? It's Uganda has untapped coffee, single origin, organic coffee. She loves coffee. I, at the time, had started being a coffee nut. So I was also obsessed. But one thing I kept bringing up was wait, why would we do coffee? Coffee tastes disgusting. Mm. And Sharon, as the science background, was just like, mm, I think we can figure that out. And so that's 
essentially how Matemba Coffee was born. Mm. It's just she was curious scientifically how we can make flavorful coffee that wouldn't de- deter. I mean, you heard her experiences coming right. from the sugar, everything, right. yeah. the additives yeah. of coffee. Yeah. Whereas in, I would just take a double shot of espresso just so I can get that caffeine kick right. and keep it going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when we brought our minds together, we're just like, let's figure this thing out. Yeah. Let's figure this thing out. So that first phone call was like what? Like just give me an idea. Like it was like Oh, it was insane. It was yeah. like I called her on Monday. The coffee the company was registered and launched by Friday. Oh, she sounds mm. like Frank. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like I was like, I'm available. I'm yeah. available. What yeah. does this look like? And I think yeah. we, we I ran some numbers and at the point at that point actually I was at my second juncture trying to start a company. It was like my second time around. The first time around, I don't know if she, we actually just remembered that this happened mm-hmm. when we were typing up a story um, in re- like to a reporter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so when we were in high school, or we, college, you yeah, were... I was a freshman. I think. No, you were... I was a... Sophomore, so you had to be oh, a junior. Right. Oh, yeah, because I went to South Africa. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I was a junior. So Sheila was a junior, I was a sophomore, and my brother was a freshman. And so we we started. We wanted to start this this company mm-hmm. called Adventure Africa Volunteers, where we brought pe- like you know people from all parts of the world mm-hmm. to come yeah. and do internships and mm-hmm. things like that in nice, Uganda. Nice. So I took a semester off school. We were. Boots we on the ground. Yeah, we I spent a summer there. We met with different, you know, businesses and business owners and were able to secure locations for interns. And I remember the only reason I feel like it didn't work out was time commitment and we finances. Yeah. yeah. And we were, yeah, we were all in college mm-hmm, full time. Mm-hmm. And the only time we really had to work on this thing was in the summer. Mm-hmm. And then we also realized like, you know, you need things like insurance yeah, and like, yeah. you know, all of that. Yeah, like we yeah. don't have the money for right, this. Right. But so we've always like had some sort of like, you know, we, we had that first dry run. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when Sheila called me, I had, in the process of my second dry run. And so this is almost like the third experience, I think for me personally, um, I think this is like, I don't even know what number Sheila's on, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning as an entrepreneur, like it's in those moments where things don't necessarily work out, where you really, really can learn so much. And like, I had to, we had to transform this idea of failure um, that we typically associate with when things don't work out, right? And so it's like, okay, well, rather than say we failed in those moments, it's like, well, what did we learn? And like, Mm -hmm. how did that uh, experience prepare us for Mm -hmm. Matema Coffee and all of these, um, all of hopefully future business um, opportunities? Yeah. 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 So, It was it was happen chance. We all were in the right time, right you know, place, right place, right time. Right yeah. time. Yeah. Um, we had you know the finances mm-hmm. a little bit more figured mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. but I think I think it really comes down to time and money because we're both hard workers and we're yeah. both pretty creative, and Absolutely. it's just. It's just opportunity. And what about the connection to the beans, though? Right. Like it's one thing to have an idea, but how do you execute on that idea? Like, Mm -hmm. okay, you had the idea, you saw the opportunity, you were like, hey, maybe coffee is a thing. Mm -hmm. But like, what was the next step? You know? Yeah. So I'm actually big on path to least resistance. And (laughs) it's to me, it was one of those things, because the first thing challenge is like, 
Okay, this is great. Yeah, let's do it. How? I'm an, I'm a numbers person. My background is neuroscience and data analytics. So, so you had to see the numbers, and I'm I'm just naturally a strategy person. Right. I can see I can see when somebody's going to fail before they even start. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So my head is always just my mind is just always moving, mm-hmm. and so I was just like, hey, don't worry, I got this. I'll I'll send you a message soon, and so. I contacted um, our uncle mm-hmm. actually, and um, I was just like, "Hey, I heard you're in. You know, I've been doing some research. I, I heard you're in the coffee industry," and he was just like, "Yeah, but I was supposed to meet with you about education." I was just like, "I can explain." <laughs> right, right. I was like, "Let me see you tomorrow and let's chat." Mm-hmm. And so I saw him the next day, and I was just like, "Listen, uh, we're gonna launch a coffee company this year. I just want to know if you can assist us with." supply chain and he was just like yeah but we're supposed to meet about education i was just like i understand i understand Mm -hmm. um but supply chain and he was just like all right he was just like if you're serious he was just like let meet with my guy tomorrow i was just like okay great this is in uganda this is in uganda this was the same week i was there i was there Mm -hmm. for um again expanding my education initiative um also finalizing my adoption which is a whole another conversation Mm -hmm. And so I met with him and I messaged Sharon. I was just like, great, got supply chain figured out. She was like, what? I was like, we have a meeting um, with the team we're going to work with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to set everything up. But yeah, we're ready to go. She said, all right, great. We're doing coffee. I said, yeah. So did you have any prior experience with supply chain? Because you knew to go to him and say supply chain. Mm-hmm. So like. Did you have any experience with that, or actually, was it just you started no, to research I, after you had the idea, started, like what it was going to yeah, take? Yeah, we started researching after we had the idea. The only reason I knew about supply chain is because my job is to know a little bit of everything mm-hmm. for anyone who wants to start a business. Oh, okay. um, so I knew what to look out for, the questions to ask. Um, I love meeting people to get a sense because mm-hmm. some people can sell you a dream and then when you meet with them, the questions you ask with body mm-hmm. language, mm-hmm. Like, mm, yeah. you know, so uh, yeah, I just knew a little bit about everything. So I, I knew enough about supply chain to mm-hmm. know what to ask. Mm-hmm. However, Sharon knew about, enough about coffee to mm-hmm. know what to ask. And that's kind of, um, we were talking about like partnerships and stuff like that and, and being able to meet your partner in the middle. Yeah. Uh, so when I was able to then bring the partner, Sharon had her questions ready to go. Nice. Um, acidity levels all the way down wow. to yeah. storage. Awesome. What kind of storage, you know, what kind of storage do we need? Uh, how long do the beans last? Wow. Uh, where are the beans grown? What does it look like? Yeah. Uh, so, so my experience with supply chain is in the pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. familiar with procuring materials mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, getting those materials and figuring out how to store those materials and then how to get those materials into the final product and things like that. So I learned that through working in a biopharmaceutical industry and and specifically in the manufacturing um, pipeline. So it was a different industry, but similar enough that you do start to understand the process, process, right? And you get a better idea of the questions to ask and what to look out for. But it was a new industry in terms of like the level of specificity that we had to get into and the details. And like, so it was definitely a learning curve, I would say, but we had enough 
of a foundation to be able to yeah. to yeah. to feel comfortable enough to say, you know what, let's consider this yeah. opportunity. Yeah. So yeah. what type of role did your parents play? Because, you, you know, you said you kind of came up in this whole entrepreneur and like, hey, we want to push you to do what yeah. you believe in and things like that. Like, did you go to them early on and say, hey, look, this is what we're going to do? Or did you kind of wait till you kind of had everything in place oh. to say, like, this is the next move? I feel like we it was the latter because yeah. I well, first of all, Sheila moves fast. And then mm-hmm. I start panicking. because I'm like, oh, my God, like <laughs> we had to go through step one through ten in order <laughs> sequentially. And now we're on step ten, but we haven't done one through nine. How does this work? So I've also had to like learn how to adjust mm-hmm. to the entrepreneurship space in general. Yeah. But um but yeah, as far as our parents, it's like we move we've moved so quickly and at the same time I think uh they've taught us that independence yeah. to the point where it's almost like you make the decision and then you go back and you're just like, Okay, like what do you yeah. guys think? Mm-hmm. You know? So but it's first, not like yeah, for the first thing our mom asked us is I went equity. (laughs) (laughs) Smart woman. Yeah. I was like, we're starting this coffee company, mom. She's just like, I want equity. I was like, all right, girl, I haven't even told you anything. When was the initial conversation in respect to like where we are now? How long ago was it? I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, February 27, or no, February of last year, 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. They said they They moved moved quick. Quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they said. First conversation was in Feb. That's when you were in Uganda. This is when I was in, um, actually, yeah, it was, so I was in Uganda. We registered, no, the first conversation was towards the end of January. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we had everything registered by the end of that week. Yeah, so then it it bleeds into February. Um, By towards the end of February, I had found an accelerator program to punch us in. Wait, no, actually, it is faster than that. It was within two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Because then I had to fly to D.C. Yeah, so everything happened within two weeks. Um, I flew to D.C. because an accelerator program, just like, we love your idea. Can we meet? I was just like, yeah, great. I'll, I'll see you in a second. Flew to D.C. Prepped her. Um, prepped, then pitched, turned around, and flew back to Morocco. Um. So within two weeks, we were... We had an accelerator program. We were ready to go. We had a kitchen. Our um, business registered. Our business registered. Wow. Yeah. And wow. you've been spending quite some time in Morocco, right? Yeah. It's... What is that about? <laughs> I went... Yeah, I'd like to know. Yeah, yeah. what is that about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, should we um... transition to Morocco, all of us? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I should all move for now. Um, no, she was like, Frank, you need to come out here. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I've been... That's I stopped asking and I started begging for him to fly to because I was just like, You're, no, this is, I, I'm begging. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, no, I was running a project um, with the State Department. Uh, and as a thank you for the, the project or program I was running, they were just like, oh, pick any of the countries you're managing in your portfolio. So I was managing uh, North Africa, the Middle East, and Central Asia. I almost went to Uzbekistan, actually. Um, oh, yeah. It's like, it's beautiful. First of all, Central Asia is so beautiful. And as mm. Americans, I don't think we realize. They have mountains, snow. It looks almost like half Ireland, half a whimsical. It's beautiful. I'll show you pictures after. But um, they're just like, oh, so thank you. Well, you can go to any of the countries in your portfolio. So I picked Morocco because 
some of my favorite kids in my program were from Morocco. So, um, yeah, I kind of went on vacation and bumped into a Moroccan man and fell in love and then got engaged. <laughs> she was so, like, I ain't never coming back. Yeah, right. Until <laughs> like, so the coffee soil. was born. <laughs> um, so we're launching a coffee company. <laughs> Sheila's in Morocco. I'm in, in Maryland. Maryland. The and beans are in Uganda. Uganda. And we have to figure out how do we get the beans here? Where do they port? And mm. then what... You know how do, how do we get a roaster in the mix because oh, we don't know how to roast? It was weeks after. two weeks, yeah, mm-hmm. two weeks after everything shut down in the states. So we had like very early on issues with shipments and like so it, it has been a roller coaster, but it's been interesting to launch during this chaotic mm-hmm. uh, pandemic because we've had to work through problems that we otherwise would have faced later on. Yeah. And we had to face them on early yeah, and yeah. answer some of those hard questions early. So yeah. it was almost like a blessing in disguise, I want to say. I think it was a blessing. In di- I mean, think about it this way. Uh, even our um, the, 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 um, the drivers who were taking the coffee to the, um, the ship where it was going to then come to the U.S., they were in strike. It was a pandemic. So we're just navigating a lot of issues. Our, our vendors for our package, it, it was just, it was just a lot of moving pieces, mm-hmm. and it's just other companies probably wouldn't have gone through this until like two years mm-hmm. into the game. Um, we had to figure this out last year to get everything here, and now we have this joke where we're just like, if we can do this during COVID, we can do this. Yeah, during any time. Yeah, during yeah. Any time. yeah. absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And that's the thing about these two women right here. Trust me. (laughs) Whenever they call, it's like, is it a new venture? Or (laughs) They do. They move for sure. They definitely move quick. You know what I mean? That's definitely uh, some cool stuff. So tell us a little bit more about, like, what's the future of Mutima look like? Like, is it just going to be focused on this product? Are we going to expand into some other things? Like, what's, what's, what's the focus? Well, we are definitely just getting started. Um, That is very, very evident. We're actually in the process right now of working with um, our vendors to get a new bean on Mm -hmm. on um, on our in our portfolio. So something uh, that is both similar in quality but different in taste Mm because we want to like show off the complexity of Ugandan Mm -hmm. beans. Um, but this time around we're traveling to Uganda so that we can have that like on the ground yeah. experience, um, with the farmers and the, the farmers, locale. Yeah. Yep. And so we're coming out with a new bean and I'll hopefully some merchandise as well. Right now we're looking at maybe some French presses mm-hmm. and some coffee mm-hmm. mugs, yeah. like something like where like we are really selling the full experience because yeah. Matema yeah. coffee isn't, we don't want it to just be like one product mm-hmm. or one type of merchandise we want it to be okay one this is a one-stop shop for coffee Mm -hmm. but also you're getting more than just Mm -hmm. coffee you're getting a full story you're getting like a full experience i feel like that's the best word yeah that's that's the best word i could use but so we are definitely working on some things in the background and we're really really excited to share with everyone but um but yeah getting the new bean on the portfolio i think it's going to be 
is going to be the one that really like showcases like who we are as yeah. well. Like and we, brand, yeah. yeah, like yeah. we, we came out with a really great first product and people are, are excited about the quality and the taste. And so we want to like keep that energy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nah, definitely. Energy. Yeah. And we want to just change the narrative too of what does it look like to have a coffee company where playing within this space it's called um fourth mm-hmm. wave coffee and um it's a new space and understanding the science behind your coffee right it's like third wave was having the conversation of who are the farmers mm-hmm. you know where's what's the supply chain look like and fourth wave is more of like well what's the science behind this coffee uh we keep hearing our customers say i can smell it through the bag um, we have a lot of customers also saying like, wow, I loved your tutorial. This is amazing. I now know how to make coffee at home. We're realizing that our customers also going through a pandemic and they want to be educated on what they're eating, what they're drinking, and also how to make it at home. Uh, so a lot of the stuff you'll start seeing that we're releasing is to meet that ecosystem, mm-hmm. right? To meet the customer where they're at. The customers are at home, they want good quality coffee. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to make it or they just um, know that coffee is supposed to be bitter. Right. Uh, we're re-educated, so we're, doing a, we're helping our customer really unlearn a lot mm-hmm. of things. But at the same time, as they're unlearning, we're making sure that we have the tools, so the French presses, how to make your coffee at home, mm-hmm. everything they need to feel comfortable with the product uh, a great uh, comparison might be wine, right? Mm-hmm. When you start going to different wineries and drinking different kinds of wines, you mm-hmm. become more educated mm-hmm. on the kind mm-hmm. of wine you're drinking. We want to take that same experience uh, and give the customer that same exact experience with coffee. Nah, that's no. super dope. So are y'all trying to stay with Uganda? Is it all about like the home team or are you looking to later expand into other countries and... Um, Africa, or like, what's the plan? I think the goal is to expand to other countries in Africa, but yeah. right now there is just so much opportunity in Uganda, mm. right? Like, not just in the type of beans, but the varietals and where the beans are, you know, cultivated. Okay, yeah. Exactly. So, because the opportunity is there, and if we're going to go ahead and develop. A, a supply chain and a pipeline we really want to maximize that as much as possible mm-hmm. and then at that point then it's just rinse and repeat right with a different country mm-hmm. um a lot of the supply chain would already be figured out it's mm-hmm. just the hardest part we're finding is actually just being able to get consistency from the farm mm-hmm. so a lot of these farmers just don't have the infrastructure that right, they need right. and like the roads and like mm-hmm. the transportation mm-hmm. and the storage um to really consistently produce high quality beans mm-hmm. so like they cultivate coffee all the time these yeah, are experts yeah. we're right, talking about right, right? right they know their plants like they know their their mm-hmm. environment they know their terrain um, we're just coming in and saying, okay, well, there's this standardized methods mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Um, that would increase the quality of the coffee mm-hmm. and increase the yield as well. So it's more than just um, 
producing coffee in Uganda for us. Mm -hmm. This is also like being able to like give back and grow these communities. Um, So it's very, very personal. So we want to make sure we get it right. Mm -hmm. And then we can start to look at, you know, other countries that also have such a great potential like Uganda. They're just not well known for their coffees because they're just not on the world market. And that has nothing to do with the quality or the taste or anything like that. It's just about infrastructure. infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So how do you handle the like QA? Like what, what can you do? Like you say, it's inconsistent. Consistent mm-hmm. with uh, quality and things like that. So, how do you combat that? Like, what what can be done? You know, like especially with you all being over here. I know you said mm-hmm. you're gonna take more trips over there, mm-hmm. but is it owning, um, like your own factory? Is it like owning owning the farms? Like, what? How so, do you do that? Um, I really uh, believe in like autonomy and and enabling people rather than coming in and taking over Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah. exactly so for us it's like okay i might be an expert in my craft but i'm also coming to an expert in their craft Mm -hmm. asking them to help us produce a product so um the easiest way to answer that question would be to almost say that it's almost like a quasi relationship it's a quasi ownership where Mm -hmm we will come in and help provide some of the infrastructure mm-hmm. and like the roads and this, you know, transportation and storage. Mm-hmm. However, they still get full autonomy over their farm and things like mm-hmm. that. But we mm-hmm. might have, you know, uh, QC or quality control yeah, come in to yeah. say, okay, every so often we're going to be testing, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that there's consistency and things like that. Or let's say they don't have a drying station mm-hmm. and their beans keep, you know, uh, becoming like over moisturized mm. or things like that. So maybe you invest in helping them, mm-hmm. you know, build out yeah, a drying station, yeah. but then you have to train them, right? Mm-hmm. Like how do we use these things? And and so it's almost like an investment into the community, but we, at least personally, in, in terms of the conversations we've had, I don't think we, our goal is to sit there and say we want to own a large farm because yeah. once you get into commercialization, you start getting into the not so great environmental mm-hmm. practices, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So I think our focus right now is going to be on small small farmers and yeah. supporting them because there's a lot of them. Wow. There are a lot of them. And is this a seasonal thing, or like, can you produce these beans around the around the clock, or, or like, how does that kind of work? So out? it depends on the varietal. Okay. Um, so what you can do, and what a lot of um, companies do, is they'll create a blend, okay. right? Um, so a blend is is, is multiple, multiple types beans. of beans mm-hmm. um, mixed together into one product. So a lot of times it decreases costs, first of all, because you can kind of pair a low-cost bean with a higher-cost mm-hmm. bean. Yeah, but um, so usually those blends are year-round, but what we are going to focus on is more like single origin mm-hmm. um, beans. So one type of bean that's going into this um, into this this bag or spice chai is a single origin. How bean. does that compare taste wise? So mm-hmm. it depends. It depends on the bean, but you get like the full experience of that bean, right? You gotcha. get the full flavor of that bean. It's not mixed with any other mm-hmm. varietal. So. I'm finding that then when you start to get into figuring out how to roast that bean because mm-hmm. it's just one type, it's almost like you get to enhance the flavor of it, right? But if you had three different beans and you're trying to like figure out how to yeah. roast them, you might find a roast profile that works really well to enhance one, but then the other two kind yeah, of taste yeah, weird. Yeah. So um, 
I'm not knocking companies that do like blends. Hate, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's it's I would rather have a single origin and then say that okay, educate our customer and say okay, coffee is um is seasonal. So maybe that varietal doesn't come back for another mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And that is a reality, right? Mm-hmm. That is a reality and I think a, a lot of consumers are just used to this is my product. This is my favorite. It needs to be accessible to yeah. me at yeah. all times. Yeah. Yeah. Right, 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 right. But if you're educated about, okay, well, this is this is a like this is a special. Co- yeah, this yeah. is a plan. Yeah. Like yeah. a special edition. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, or yeah. I might have, I might produce 500 bags of it one one season, and the next season I got 25. Right. Like, I I'm not God. I don't yeah. have any, you know, yeah, right, any right. any control over the weather, things like that. So. It's a very finicky uh, yeah. uh, um, reality, but yeah. I think it goes back to us re-educating the consumer to mm-hmm. say, you know what, like, yes, this was a super dope uh, single origin, but this year we didn't have the yield to be able to produce it. So we're gonna come out with this other one that's mm-hmm. also like really, really, really great, yeah. but you know, just just bear with us as we figure this thing out. Right. But I have no intention. I think Sheila's on the same page about necessarily having the same product available all the time because mm-hmm. it creates this false sense of reality. Yeah. Like that's yeah, just yeah. not the reality. Mm-hmm. Like I have basil plants in my house. Sometimes right. they grow. Sometimes they don't <laughs> grow. And I'm like, it's like truly organic. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, you know, yeah. what am I gonna do? So yeah. there's just certain things that we just need to do a better job of of, of yeah. getting out there and, yeah. and educating our consumer. What about COVID with the whole supply chain situation? Were y'all impacted at all? Because I know a lot of these companies, right? Like they're they're producing these beans and and because they can't get the product, they're making some adjustments that may not work in their favor. And also they just couldn't get the product, period, because factories shut down. So like, how was that out there? Yeah, I I think it goes back to what we're saying is um, trusting your, well, first of all, making sure that you trust your supply chain um, everyone you're working with, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why it was big for me to meet everybody before I even hit sharing up. I was just like, we're doing this thing, but uh, give me a second, let me meet him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once trust was established, collaboration, we knew at the end of the day, these people were going to fight to make sure that these beans made yeah. it. It doesn't take away from the delays. I was saying like before, there were like strikes as well. Mm-hmm. Like when our, when we finally got our beans, there were strikes getting our beans. Strikes onto, about what? Um, some of the drivers and um, some of the, not necessarily the farmers, but there were a lot of strikes because our beans are coming from Mount Elgon. Okay. And um, during COVID, uh, Uganda was kind of just like the rest of the world. They mm-hmm. didn't know what was going on. People were out of work. Uh, people wanted access to certain services. People were scared. Yeah, people were scared. Yeah. And we're like, we want beans, you know? So (laughs) um, a lot of the drivers of the transportation piece of it, um, there were quite a few um, strikes. But um, we also, uh, our partners worked with the government to make sure that we have the paperwork we needed to even get the beans to the containers and then ship them here, right? So it goes back to what we're saying, the partnerships Mm-hmm. were huge i mean for our beans to make it some people's beans like you're saying didn't yeah, make it yeah but we had enough strong partnerships and collaborations that the you know the government got involved in making sure our supply chain continued yeah. so we weren't necessarily lucky that it happened i think we did the due diligence ahead of time 
And it goes back to that conversation of resilience and making sure everyone in your circle is resilient um, or else failure, yes, is knocking at your door every time something yeah. goes wrong. You yeah. know? And I know that you all said that you were kind of trying to have more than just a coffee brand, right? Like it's almost like a community or, or it's like a, a group of people that kind of they want to experience this mm-hmm. whole situation, right? Like, how are y'all going to go about, like, creating that type of community or culture around coffee? Like, what are your plans? Because I know making coffee is one thing, but, mm-hmm. like, how are you actually, I know you said some education mm-hmm. is, a, is a part of it, but it, are there other things that you're planning to do, like, with the community, yeah, rather yeah. be over there or here? Yes, both. Um, over there, I, again, um, Sharon's been, uh, she kind of touched on it, but there we're trying to make sure that we give the farmers all the resources they need. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there is an impact piece of what we're doing, right? If they do not have access to a well, uh, we want to build them a well. If mm-hmm. they do not, if they're, if they're farmers and their kids, specifically girls, do not have access to education, our goal down the road is to provide them a school. Nice. Um, so, um, or give them access to the resources they need to go to school whether that's a book bag or I, I think big. So I'm like, let's give them a school. Right. right, but, um, right, right. but I'm like, maybe they just need shoes. To right. To school. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm like, no school. <laughs> but, um, so the, the ecosystem or the community is twofold, right? Yeah. It's one with our farmers, our supply chain, mm-hmm. and then two with our customers. Um, so our customers currently experience is education experience is access to coffee equipment to make their coffee at home uh experience is engaging with the farmers um what that interaction looks like we're still building that out after Mm -hmm. we we chat with the farmers um but we want to break barriers of this disconnect between us and our food Mm. i think it's a very western uh concept of being disconnected to your food but I, i i our generation or people now are calling for it. Where is my food coming from? Who's mm-hmm. behind our food? Mm-hmm. And if you follow our story, you can start seeing we're very vulnerable about telling who we are as people. Why us? Why are we the best fit to give you Matima coffee? Yeah. Uh, we want to educate the customer as well as our farmers and our supply chain to understand like actually we're the best fit because we, we care about you first. Mm. you know and this goes both ways it's not mm-hmm. a transaction yeah yeah less transaction it's mm-hmm. more of a community it's mm-hmm. a it's a family y'all building family. over here yeah it's a, it's a it's a little village yeah a little yeah international village. that's dope yeah. so did you find that it was more difficult getting the beans from uganda to here or did you have like a whole how were the problems once you got them here and getting them i do want to take that one. yeah um, How I that? think the easiest part was getting the beans here. As chaotic as that process was, it was a lot of, okay, phone calls and emails mm-hmm. and coordination. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, transfer of funds as well. Um, but getting them after they were here, it's all of the logistics that go into, okay, like, what are the requirements and the specifications that I need to make sure I meet in order to then get this product roasted, packaged, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in the the hands of the consumer. Mm -hmm. So those logistics, I don't think, um, I think we're surprisingly a little bit more, uh, 
a little bit less intuitive than we yeah. thought they were going to be, right? Like some of these things you think are pretty straightforward, like working with USBS. Right. I really <laughs> thought. <laughs> Just I, a stamp, right? Yeah, right, right. I really thought that that was going to be the easiest part of the um, process. And I, yes, I will say that that, pro- that part, I just really didn't respect enough. Well, the customer service is, well, is I don't know. Has been, has been good. Some shit. Uh, the customer service for USPS, right? Yeah, USPS. yeah it's yeah. been mm, it's been terrible yeah, getting yeah. information or figuring out where packages went and why they're going to different states. Before, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's just you know the logistics have 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 surprised us. But yeah, the easiest part was definitely getting the beans yeah. here. Isn't wow. that crazy? That's that, surprising. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were like, how did you get them from? We had another lady reach out and she was just like, oh my god, I'm so inspired. She was just like. How did you get the beans? We were like, no, 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 that's that's not about. It's not the <laughs> We literally got the beans from Mount Elgon all the way down the bottom of the mountain on a ship. Went to Kenya from Uganda, then went to New Jersey, New Jersey down to DC. We couldn't get these freaking packages from our um, site to the customers because of USPS. It's wow. just like. But then that makes you see why it's so easy for FedEx and UPS to come in and take over. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, it makes you really appreciate them. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, how is yeah. this possible? Yeah, was responsible. The United States Postal Service. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Like, Can you, you imagine would... United States government? Oh. <laughs> we ain't got to go there. We don't have to. Yeah, that's, that's, for, a, that's for another episode. Where's the drink? <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's been it's been interesting though because oh, we've yeah. had to. It goes back to what she was saying about relationship building mm-hmm. and and making sure that you have someone there to advocate for you because yeah. otherwise it's you're chasing your tail. Yeah. yeah. How are you all currently distributing the uh, product? Like, how can these people get to the product? How can they get some of this great coffee? Yeah. So right now online we did. We did a pre-launch. You guys came through. Sold uh, out. Sold out. Sold out in seven Sold days. Sold out. Um, which was incredible, incredible. And um, so we did online orders for pre-launch. We're still going to continue with online orders. At www.mutimacoffee.com. One more time. One more time. One more time. Boom. Boom. Yo, it's just like that. So what are the plans for stores? Like, right? Like we we understand you're online. Yeah. That has to be you yeah, know. it's coming, it's coming. So in about two months, mm-hmm. we should be actually in stores, in local stores. So we're looking mm-hmm. at DC, Maryland, and Virginia. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Get ready, y'all. If you need information, <laughs> check us out on our Instagram, Matima Coffee, or Facebook. What's the Instagram? Matima Coffee. We're on okay. all the socials. Okay, all the socials. Um, so you can find more information there. So as soon as we secure everything to be in stores, we'll announce that. But we'll start with the DMV and then over the world in our free time <laughs> <laughs> that's so dope yeah we're yeah. excited we're but but excited. before we even like close out because there's a couple other things we got for you right but what is the store experience like like how do you actually get it into the stores like is it you know Ooh, just going to the manager or like yeah. what are y'all doing like how are you actually getting the conversation 
And then how are you getting the acceptance? Like, what are you hearing so far? Because I know you're in the incubator, so that has yeah. to help with the process. But Yeah, accelerator programs and incubators really help. So essentially, our accelerator program is brokering the grocery store deal okay. uh, currently. Um, but also because I'm, a, I'm an educator first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For anyone looking to, do, to get a product into uh, stores, into grocery stores, it's relationships. Mm-hmm. So there are two ways you can do it. Either get into a program that can broker those relationships mm-hmm. for you or just broker them yourself. Yeah. Uh, one thing we've seen in the market is um, grocery stores. I don't know if you guys saw. I, I, oh, great example. The toilet paper mm. or the hand sanitizer, right? The supply chain broke because it was yeah. a high demand for the mm-hmm. same product. Mm-hmm. But it created an opportunity for smaller vendors to come in but like, Hey Target, this is this is I, right, this is me, right. this is we. Uh, I want to be on your shelf, and I have a yeah, product yeah. that can go on your shelf, and so you're able to do that. And I, I, it's opened up a conversation in the grocery store industry to show that mm-hmm. as small businesses, we can also broker those relationships as well. And so, yeah, you go into the store, ask to meet with the manager, and you will be surprised. Um, uh, so, yeah, so we're doing both. We have a few friends with coffee shops, restaurants. Mm-hmm. So we're brokering those um, those deals ourselves, and the other deals our accelerator program is assisting us with. That's dope. That's dope. And the good thing about being part of that program is that you get the resources and like the information about what regulatory things you need to have on your packaging, Mm -hmm. for example, or where you need to package, what kind of licensing that facility needs to have. So a lot of those things really helped us in the beginning because otherwise we would have yeah. probably wasted a lot of money, a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. exactly trying to figure it out and try through trial and error so that's definitely one of the upsides that mm-hmm. um that we've 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 come across working with an incubator but at the same time it also prepared us to be able to broker our own deals as yeah. well and yeah. gave us the confidence we needed to know that we have a solid product mm-hmm. why can't what's stopping us from absolutely. advocating for ourselves nothing yeah absolutely yeah nothing. absolutely nothing yeah. So when we asked y'all, what song did y'all want from Jay-Z? Y'all said, what'd they say most? Public service announcement, PSA. Yes. What made y'all choose PSA? So there are two two reasons. Um, one of the biggest thing is, or one of the misconceptions about our family, uh, is we're rich. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, entrepreneurs most of the time. Listen, I tell everybody, if I swipe this card, honey, I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> but what I do have is faith. <laughs> and um, it's, I, I think one thing Jay Z is comfortable teaching us is one, only God can judge. Mm. Only God can judge. Mm-hmm. And we're very spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, being comfortable reintroducing yourself yeah right Mm -hmm. it's she's an analyst neuroscience Mm -hmm. background um data science background all of the things Mm -hmm. i have an education background political science background um we wear a lot of hats Mm -hmm. and jay-z is like yo listen you knew me then yeah and i'm comfortable telling you like 
No. It's okay to evolve. It's okay to evolve. It's okay to evolve. And I'm going to sit in front of you as the new present me, Mm -hmm. and you you can choose to receive me as such. Mm -hmm. Or you can choose to be like, oh, no, Sharon, I don't know. You know, coffee? What Mm -hmm. what are you doing? So for us, this this was a big reintroduction of, yeah, no, we're coffee company owners, right? This is who we are. And our past does not define us, and you will meet us as such. Mm. Mm. Wow. You hear the queen yeah. talk? Yeah. Right. You hear it, right? <laughs> you don't see the crown? Like, but y'all Listen. that don't hear it, y'all Listen. better look Let them know. Let them know. Let them know. And it's, that's something we're just not taught. One, as women. Two, as black women. Three, yeah. as black people. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're, we're taught to just carry whatever baggage we've always had. Yeah. And it's when somebody meets you, like, oh, I, you mm-hmm. need to do this. And, and that's just what we're taught. So Jay-Z just unraveled that in, in yeah, song yeah. and was just like, yeah. So, so do y'all see yourselves staying on the, on the uh, track of self-funded or you want to kind of go for funding at some point? Like, what are y'all thinking? Yeah, mm-hmm. we're definitely looking yeah. at funding. Yeah. Um, our ideas are too big to be our own yeah um yeah. i have a saying start fast fail fast yeah i need yeah. a little bit of cash absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> to test out all of these concepts but yeah. I, I think it speaks to it speaks to our grit and our resilience yeah really, yeah where we're both full-time entrepreneurs yeah we if we fail now bills are not going to get paid yeah you know it's um, not an option it's not an it's option not we not do not option. have that um I, I said earlier i'm going through an adoption i'm a first-time yeah. mom I'm, I'm a remote mom. Wow. Um, Sharon Congratulations, by the way. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I should have my baby girl by the summer. I'm excited. Uh, um, where's your baby girl from? Uganda, actually. Uh, so yeah, I knew that was coming. Uh, <laughs> it makes sense. Right? Exactly, exactly. A little mutima. Yeah, a little Yeah. Matema, by the way, means heart in, yeah. in Uganda. Uh, so it's like it just comes full circle. Mm, yeah. Full circle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, also, Sharon's innovating too. She's launching quite a few things too. Tell us, Sharon. Yeah. Speak up. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I'm, I actually am in the process of launching my own blog. Um, okay, it's okay. A, I wanted to be back to the word experience. Um, okay. to be, it's a very personal venture that I'm, that mm-hmm. I'm partaking in. Okay. But it's to share almost like to create um, a space where vulnerability is accepted, I think uh, far too often as people, Mm -hmm. but specifically as an Mm African-American woman living outside of her, you know, home country Mm -hmm. and going through the experiences of what that means. I think there is a lot of... um, there's a lot of voices that are silenced, right? And just uh, this message of you're strong, just figure it out yeah, and like keep yeah. it moving. And um, I just don't necessarily agree with that. I mm-hmm. think that's just very a one-sided mm-hmm. approach. And I think, especially as immigrant women, I feel like we get the short end of the stick a yeah, lot of times yeah. when it comes to that sort of messaging where it's, all right, you gotta find your, it's either you gotta find a husband to take mm-hmm, care of mm-hmm. you or, you're not going to make it, (laughs) you know? So there's really not a lot of options there. Um, And so I think that seeps into, um, you know, our identity and how we define ourselves Mm -hmm. and the pursuits that we choose to, you know, uh, 
pursue and the relationships that we decide to go into um, and the life that we decide to lead. And Mm -hmm. so I just think that I want to shake up that space and I want to kind of talk about and share my own personal experiences Mm -hmm. in hopes that other people are encouraged to share their experiences um, and to be honest and vulnerable about them because I think there's power in that. And I think um, like Sheila was saying, like, you know, we wanted to reintroduce ourselves Mm because there's all of these, you know, assumptions about who we are as women or sisters or as a family and there's not really a lot of room for you to self-define and Mm -hmm. to be like yeah actually no this is who I am um and allow me to tell you from my own lips and so that it's almost like me taking back um control over my life and 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 to be able to yeah and my narrative and to be able to enable other people to do the same thing that's that's really yeah. powerful so it's, it's called minding your melanin yeah Ooh, yeah wow, i like that it's Look called that. yeah it's called Look minding your melanin um yeah. so the website's gonna go live um hopefully this weekend i'm still working on a couple things it's it's i'm trying to bill it as like a multimedia right, experience right. so there's gonna Absolutely. be journal entries so there's gonna be some sort of visual component photography mm-hmm. and then i'm hoping to have a podcast situation as part of it yeah sharing experience yeah yeah it's very um it's it's been a lot of fun creating it but i'm excited to share it with everyone well we're waiting on it yeah and make sure so how are they gonna do you already have the website so i do have the website hasn't gone live yet but i I have an instagram i have an instagram it's also minding your melanin so exactly how it sounds um yeah you want to spell it out for him? I can. Just in case. Just in case. I mean, everybody doesn't know how to spell it. <laughs> all right, all right. Minding your melanin. M-I-N-D-I-N-G-Y-O-U-R-M-E-L-A-N-I-N. Spelling. She did it. Spelling. Right. I did. I did. I did. I was like, I thought I was on Monopoly for a second. <laughs> you nah, get an M for 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but y'all are clearly like examples for a lot of women out here that are like, a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, you're right. This is not about women because they're doing things that like everybody can learn definitely. from. Yeah. And so uh, we definitely appreciate everything that you all are contributing to the world you know because this is the beginning right like we know uh from your story from your grind like your grit like we know y'all not gonna stop y'all gonna keep going if it's not this you're gonna pivot like i know that about y'all myself (laughs) (laughs) i definitely appreciate yeah i appreciate that piece of y'all period period so if there are other women and men out here that they have a dream and there's things that they want to do like what can y'all give to them as like little jewels you know along their journey I would say that growth matters and growth comes in so many different forms, right? And I mentioned something earlier about failure. And I think for me personally, that's been the biggest lesson I've learned during this um, entrepreneurship experience is there's ebbs and flows. There's going to be high high moments and there's going to be low moments. And I feel that um, we tend to create this this dichotomy where the the high moments are good and the mm. low moments are bad Instagram. right and it's mm-hmm. and it's not true right in those low moments there's so many opportunities to learn and i feel like i've learned so many more things in mm-hmm. those situations where i'm like oh my god i think i failed yeah like what is this um mm-hmm. this doesn't feel like success and this is not what success looks like but in order for me to get to that success i have some things i need to learn and mm-hmm. 
the lessons aren't just in great moments. Mm-hmm. They're also in those difficult, difficult situations and difficult experiences. So I would definitely say like, hang on tight and see what you can pull from that mm-hmm. situation because there's always something to learn and never, never think that a failure is just that. Yeah. I think a failure is an opportunity for growth and yeah. it's an opportunity to evolve. It's like tripping along the way is okay. Yes, yeah. it's okay. It's and okay. it's part of the process. Yeah, it's a part of the process. It's a part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Sheila? I know you have some bars. <laughs> okay, let me hit them bars. No, I'm just echoing the same thing. I, I've been, I think we both have been raised to be comfortable with failure. Um, but I love to tell people. Um, we got to get rid of that word, by the way. Failure. And that fella. We're uh, just learning. Like y'all said you, before. You are yeah. failing and learning, but I think the beauty of language or the beauty of words is the transparency behind mm. them. I, I we're just not comfortable or we're not taught we're we're taught to cherish success. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um but failure creates such a vulnerability within self, right? Because mm-hmm. you're you're questioning yourself, you're questioning whatever you the process you did. Um, so I also tell people start fast, fail fast, but make sure you set yourself to fail forward. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I love the vulnerability within the word or the transparency Mm. within the word Yeah. because we just don't get comfortable with, we're not taught to be comfortable with discomfort. Mm. Yeah. So anytime we're uncomfortable, we're trying to get through it real quick, you know, and Mm. Sharon's talking about growth and learning. Uh, there was this pastor who had a sermon that was saying that when a when a seed is planted, <laughs> you, the seed is planted, right? So imagine you're you're a seed and somebody puts you in the dirt. You probably think that you were buried. You think, okay, mm-hmm. I'm dead. It's I, over, I, right? Because wh- where do we put people who pass? We mm. when you die, you go underground, yeah, right? right. Yeah. So you don't realize that you were planted to grow. All you see is darkness. Did y'all hit them bars? So you don't realize you've grown until your roots start coming. You know, your Mm -hmm. roots start going going out and you start sprouting out through the darkness, right? Yeah. So a dead person and a seed were both buried the same way. It's Mm. just one is coming out, right? So if we put that in, in perspective, it's being comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. You have to make sure that that's okay. And so if you're starting out in your entrepreneurship journey, especially, especially people of color, you will get resentment. You, when you, you do quote unquote fail, people are like, oh, well, just walk away. Just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the last piece about mental health, too, that we do need to also explore is Meg um, Lee Teal says this, and I love her. She's a founder of uh, Curlbox. Mm-hmm. She says anytime you start something, whether it's a project or a business, First, write down in your journal, in your phone, wherever, where, when or where you need to be comfortable walking away, mm. right? There's the other dark side of entrepreneurship where we're just, we're just dragging an idea and we just know this thing is not going to, it's just not working. Yeah. Mm. And figuring out when to walk away. Yeah. I think when we hold on to things, mm-hmm. yeah. When we hold on to things, I think that's when the dark side of entrepreneurship starts to show its mm-hmm. face. Um, and it's, we have to learn when to walk away, you know? Mm. So if you start fast and you set yourself up to fail forward, brush yourself up and check with yourself and say, hey, is this when I said I was gonna walk away? I already 
sold my house for this thing. Mm-hmm. I already divorced my wife right. or whatever it might be. I already did a lot of things to invest in this yeah. and it's still not working. It's time for me to walk away. Mm. And so that's, that's the best advice I can tell people. Yeah. It's don't get caught up in everyone's story of success and what that looks like. Be vulnerable. Know when you're walking away and be, uh, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. Mm. Everybody, it's time to get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Anybody listening right now? There's a lot of y'all playing in your head. Yeah, get uncomfortable. It's okay. It's okay. It came from the queens, <laughs> the queens of Uganda. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, it was no. great talking with y'all. I hope y'all check out the uh, like us on YouTube. You know, yes. like check these these check ladies right here. They're really doing their thing. They're doing great things, and there's a lot to learn from them. And great things to see in the future. We appreciate y'all coming on. Coming out. Frankie G. Amos. We raised this baby. Thing ain't lie. I done came through the block and everything that's fly. I'm like Che Guevara with bling on. I'm complex. I never claim to have wings on. Nigga, I get my 